Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. I'm joined by Jason Snell. Uh, this is a special edition of the podcast to talk about Steve Jobs. And it's been about 24 hours since um, the announcement of Steve Jobs' death. And I think mostly Jason and I are just going to talk like the best of all wakes. What you do is you tell stories about people who have passed. And, uh, and that made sense to us. So welcome, Jason. Thanks, Chris. So I feel like I should uh, pour a drink now. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. It's it's midday, but it might be appropriate. Mm. Um, so why not tell some stories? Um, I I believe that you've you've spoke to Steve Jobs on on more than one occasion. Yeah, you know, I never really had. I, I don't have a good. I don't have a good Steve Jobs story. I think honestly. When he would walk through the kind of uh, the press area after events, I, I felt no need to to go up to him and impose myself into his life in some way. Um, I mean, I've always felt that way about famous people in particular that, that uh, you know, I once had lunch next to George Lucas and his daughters and at a shopping mall at Christmas time, and they had just stopped to get some lunch, and my wife and I were having lunch, and I... You know, I thought to myself, hey, that's George Lucas. Here's my gift to you. I'm not going to bug you. Of course, this is before I uh, found out about the prequels. So, um, <laughs> But Steve Jobs, it was much <laughs> the same way. I, I did one interview with him, one-on-one. It was very brief. Interacted at a few press conferences and other media stuff, you know, for for the, the you know, for, for work, for the reasons of mm-hmm. why I was there. But, um, you know, I don't have – I never worked for him. I, I – you know, I don't have any stories like that. I I've been at all of his, you know, all of his events since he's been back. I've been there and seen what how he's changed Apple. I mean, you and I were both we could we could both wear that shirt that says that we uh were Mac users when Apple was doomed because we right. we we go back that far to the to the the before time which was was pretty ugly. Um but you know what a I don't know. I mean, it it I thought that I was really prepared and I was a lot more prepared than I would have been if this had happened uh, like a year ago without any warning. Mm-hmm. But with the third yeah. leave and with the uh, and then the resignation in August, um, I think we were all hoping for the best. And that's why I never said anything about it. You got something like a man's life. I think you hope for the best and say nothing. But I think we were all concerned that 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 meant that his time was coming. And so it 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 was quite a quite an afternoon but um we you know in my heart i i knew that it was something that was coming well i think everyone did and i and i think right the the best people didn't talk about it because it is distasteful to talk about somebody's life that way there's a real difference between somebody's work life and and somebody you admire as a celebrity or or because they're doing work that you appreciate and then getting into that life and and talking about things like dire health issues but but of course i think most people thought particularly when he retired that he wasn't well enough to carry on because i mean you look back at this and it's been seven years now i think since he was diagnosed eight eight and i don't know how many people given that kind of outlook and then still triumphing but going through the kind of things that he went through would not simply just curl up in a corner and and stop you know spend time with their family or, or do whatever they felt like doing, whereas you know the guy had to be feeling terrible and, and yet carried on. Um, 
and really had that drive and vision and wanted to see his work completed as much as possible. Yeah, you know, um, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this a lot the last 24 hours, the the um, the story he told at Stanford in 2005 when he spoke at the commencement address, he talked about that first day where he was diagnosed with pan- pancreatic cancer and um, they were going to do a biopsy to find out what kind it was, but the chances were far in the favor of it being this certain kind of pancreatic cancer, which has a very um, short lifespan for the people who get it. And he, he tells that story about being told to get his, his affairs in order, which is code for, um, you know, prepare to die and say your goodbyes and do what you can so that life is easier for your loved ones after you're gone. And that Mm -hmm. he lived an entire day with that before, um, having the biopsy and being told that uh, the doctors put the you know cells on the slide and looked into the microscope and started to cry because he had the other kind that was slower uh, and more treatable. So he had that moment where he lived a day thinking that he was about to die. And he, he, instead of it being six weeks, it was eight years. But still, I think, long way of getting to this point, but um, he stayed at Apple for those eight years, as much as he could. He worked hard. At the end, I think he was involved less because he just physically couldn't. But, you know, he was Steve Jobs already, right? He 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 could have said, wow, I probably don't have more than 10 years if that, I'm if I'm lucky. I'm already lucky that I've got more than six weeks. I'm just going to go off and, uh, and uh, you know, buy an island somewhere and spend the time with my family. Mm-hmm. And he didn't because he had a passion for Apple. Apple was his life's work, the company as well as its products. And, and uh, you know, I, some people I've heard say, you know, the, why didn't he just spend all his time with his family? It's like, I, I think from what we've heard a little bit, he was a very private guy. He he did spend a lot of time with his family. And I think as, as he, got, he got close to the end, he spent more. But that was, you know, that was his passion, Apple. And his that was his life's work. And so... He stayed engaged for those eight years when he could have probably just clocked out and said, you know, I need to do something else with my with the time I've got left because he felt it was important and a part of him. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I think that's really interesting that I think you go through a crucible like that of having this day where you think that you're about to die. Um, It presumably gave him a huge amount of perspective. And we saw that in the Stanford speech. But uh, didn't change the fact that he stayed at Apple and did these, um, you know, helped usher in these amazing products that we've seen in the last decade. Yeah, I, I think one thing it shows is that his belief in Apple and what they were doing was sincere. It wasn't simply about making more money than anyone else or being more successful than anyone else. Um, I have a story about Steve Jobs that that kind of typifies this, that I happen to be in a position where I was I was gathered at a table with some of the most powerful people in the world, and I wasn't there because I was one of them, but it was just a mistake, really, that I was there. And somebody, one of the heads of one of these mini corporations, asked me what I did other than play the piano because that's why I was there. And I mentioned that I worked for Macworld, and they said, oh, do you know Steve Jobs? I said, nope, I don't. I've never met the man. And they said, well, we all know him, and he is the strangest guy we have ever met. And so these were people who were his peers, um, other 
CEOs, top-level people basically running this country and much of the rest of the world who just didn't get it. And they didn't get his 60s kind of sensibility. They didn't understand why he didn't want to be part of their group and hang out with them. And I think he really was an iconoclast. And I think a lot of us look at him that way. But when you realize that among his peers, he's also considered to be something out of way out of left field who doesn't follow that set of rules. And yet, despite all that, without following the blueprint of this is how you create a successful business, created perhaps the most successful business in this country and perhaps across the world today. Yeah, he was um, <laughs> he was iconoclastic in every I mean, in every way he he would he was not. Look, there'd be there'd be what there'd be dozens of apples if he was like every other titan of industry and every other CEO, right? So I it doesn't surprise me at all that that those people, you know, theoretically his peers wouldn't get him. I, I it sounds like very few people did. Although, you know, obviously Larry Ellison, who is another kind of maverick guy, um, and 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 Jobs were were really close friends, and I there were some interesting things that came out like um uh. The Google guys, um, Larry and Sergey, I think uh, I think they were saying how Steve Jobs reached out even even recently and uh, gave them advice and 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 gave uh, uh, gave Larry advice, especially about about running Google. That um, I think the statement even said, even though he was he was really not well, he spent time talking to me about being, you know, being a CEO and running a company. I think that's interesting that, you know, he had, he was obviously, you know, not, not a, not a guy who had a lot of friends. He had some good friends. And once you become that famous, I think you got to be, it's awfully hard to really make friends. I mean, Walt Mossberg's story about being invited over to Steve's house and talking about the technology industry. I think that you have strange ways of, of opening up to people when you become that famous Mm -hmm. Because you can't just have, you can have random, random meetings, but there's always that question of, is this person just doing this because they get access to a famous person? I I can't even imagine how difficult and weird that must be. But, um, but he did have, you know, he was different. He was a different kind of guy. And so he did have these relationships with certain people, but I, you know, there's no doubt that, that, um, you know, if those other CEOs felt like he was a buddy, they would probably be doing what what he does he does or what he did and and they don't they they're right i mean they aren't steve jobs there's i i have some hope and i guess optimism that there may be a new wave of um ceos of the future coming up who um look at steve jobs and say he's a success story and we should be more like him but certainly the current generation of ceos i mean doesn't behave like Steve Jobs in any way. And that's why Apple is doing what nobody else is doing. Well, yeah, I do think it's interesting that we're starting to see presentations done in the Apple way. There seems to be that template now. So with varying degrees of success. Yeah. I mean, they they kind of get it and, and they're doing the same sort of things and it either comes across as a good imitation or a poor imitation, but it's clearly an imitation. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's anything unique there. And and certainly nobody has the showmanship that Jobs had, but I wonder if it goes farther than that. Do these companies look at Apple and Jobs and say, well, really it's all just about the PR and the message, 
or is there something more to it? And I think there is. I think a lot of what happened with Apple and it came from Jobs and the time he grew up in that Steve Jobs is a year would be a year older than I am. And we grew up in the same area and we were very much informed by San Francisco, the hippie culture, which we were too young for, but you still got the the ripples from that. And so when he talks about technology and when he talked about the, the things that he was doing at the, at Apple and the kind of attitude that he adopted was very much influenced by that. So it was about the music. It was about being artistic. He dropped acid. He asked other people in interviews, how often have you dropped acid or are you a virgin or things that mattered in those days, which you could never get away with now, nor would anybody care to uh, even try. (laughs) But with that, they developed this culture at Apple that I think still lives on. I mean, it's a much more serious world today, and Apple is a much more serious company than it once was. However, I think that aesthetic still lives, that it's important to be artistic. It's important to appear or be on the side of common people instead of be the man, even though Apple certainly qualifies for being the biggest man around these days. And I don't know if another company can duplicate that because I think it is integral to Apple. I think it's a sincere thing rather than something they adopted. And I don't see a company like Facebook or Google or someone else coming from a different background being able to emulate that. Yeah, it's. I really appreciate you know the perspective of 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 being around the same age and and you know obviously i i'm i'm much much younger than you are chris yes decades <laughs> tell me what it was younger. like in the war grandpa <laughs> Gramps, um, yeah no, the so it, it it is fascinating and and you know he always talked about bob dylan and the beatles and i mean obviously being a growing up in the 60s and 70 early 70s made a big impact on him um it's uh yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's never going to be another Steve Jobs, so we shouldn't try to look for them. But in terms of the like the lessons, I, I you may be right. I, it depends on whether I'm feeling optimistic or pessimistic. The um, I gave this presentation at MacWorld Expo last year, or I guess early earlier this year. That was about uh, in part why aren't there other apples? And the the pessimistic view of it is that the American business culture is so much about not taking risks and being like everyone else. And, you know, you always saw this. Apple always got beaten up for not being Microsoft or not being Dell, Mm -hmm. right? Why didn't they license the operating system and be Microsoft? Or why didn't they just stop using their own operating system, license Windows and be Dell? And, you know, that takes a lot of fortitude from a CEO, from a board, and from investors, the owners of the company, to say... Um, we are going to go a different way and we're not going to do things uh, the way everybody else is and that it will pay off in the end. So, you know, I'm not sure whether you got to have a special situation. And in Jobs' case, he came back to a company that was so weak that was basically dead. And he was able, because it was almost dead, to take complete control of what was still a pretty large company, but about to die, complete control, um, uh, take over the board, uh, take over, you know, essentially the investors in the company at that point were people who were betting on the comeback, which he provided. 
And uh, that's so there's not only is it a unique guy, but a unique guy in this incredibly special situation where he could get this supreme authority to essentially make the company his 100 percent his. And so we did um, that. So that all said, my optimist says there are other scenarios with other people where some lessons of Steve Jobs may come out. And I think if I had to say one thing that I hope will be a lesson learned about what Steve Jobs did at Apple, it's about focusing on, like you said, about the people and not about, you know, being the man. Being, uh, supporting the people is about thinking about how regular people want to use stuff, right? And I Mm -hmm. think this goes back to the original Mac and it didn't pay off in the way that it's paid off in the era of these personal electronics devices in the last 10 years. But, you know, Apple and Steve Jobs' philosophy was always, let's use this high technology to make a product that people want, not just want to buy, that not just we can sell to them by marketing it, but that they will want it, it will fulfill a need, and they will they will love it, and they will be happy with it. They'll enjoy using it. And um, it seems... I've been saying this a lot in all these interviews I've been given the last day, but it seems so obvious. Of course, a company wants to make a product that it's that its customers love and that fills a need in their lives. And yet, especially in the technology industry, which is dominated by um, you know salespeople and engineers, um, they miss they miss it. They they build mm-hmm. products because they can assemble them out of a bunch of widgets and put a price on them and then market it and hope people buy it. And that's the wrong approach. The right approach is to figure out what things could be built out of current technology for a price that people are willing to pay that will fulfill people's everyday needs. And uh, that for me, that's like, that's the, that's the secret of Apple. The one single thing that Apple does differently than anybody else is focus on what people want instead of what they can build and sell to somebody. And if somebody, whether it's Google, you know, or some company we've never heard of who ends up making some fantastic product, whether it's a computer or a tablet or it's some, you know, it's a toaster, I don't know, a microwave. Boy, my microwave is terrible. I'd love a good microwave. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a victory for Steve Jobs' legacy. For somebody to say, be able to say to their board of directors, Apple, Steve Jobs, do you get it? Do you get what we're trying to do here? And maybe they would be like, all right, I get that. Let's let you try it. When five years ago, they might've said, Apple, nobody's, Apple's a one, you know, it's a, it's Apple's Apple and nobody else can do it. I'm hopeful that maybe that has changed now because of the success and somebody will get away with it and be able to say, let's be like Apple and won't be stopped. I hope so too, because I do think in in a lot of what we're seeing now, particularly in in social networking areas and and other areas where we're the product, that that companies <laughs> yeah. are looking for ways to get away with something. That they're providing you some value, but honestly, their business model really is to exploit you somehow. Um, and maybe they give you enough stuff so that you say, yeah, that's a fair exchange. But I never felt that way with Apple, that, that they were trying to get away with something. I've, I felt that anything they did, they had a sincere belief in, whether I liked it or not. There were certainly Apple products that I thought, this is bad and it could be better. But I think that with every ounce of, of their belief, they thought this really is the best thing 
for our customers and, and where we think technology should be going. Well, I mean, think about it. I'm thinking of a product. You talked about social networking, a product that Apple did that did essentially fail, which is Ping. And we'll never know what Ping right. really was entirely intended to be because it was obviously intended to launch with Facebook integration and it fell apart. But Ping, mm -hmm. as it launched, was a pretty shallow attempt to get you to advertise music so that other people would buy it. Right. And that that there's no user benefit there, in my opinion, or almost none. And the social networking, you know, it's a good it's a good example where if you have a vision for how it fulfills a need and the reason you build features is because it fulfills a need that people have and they will love it, then I think you'll succeed. And where these companies get in danger is when they start to think all of a sudden, you know, how do we re-engineer this so that it's an ATM, right? Mm -hmm. And so that we just get cash for, for people's right. lives. I, somebody on my Twitter stream uh, was just saying how there's a video of Mark Zuckerberg referring to this timeline feature, which is supposed to be about your life and everything that's in it. And he calls it a product at one point. And it's like, aha, <laughs> yeah. gotcha. That's it. My life is your yeah, product. So, so that's, you know, I think as all of us who followed Apple over the years, you know, that's always a question to ask yourself is who's the, who's the customer, who's the product. And how does this fulfill? Uh, uh, how does this fulfill me? How does this fulfill a user? Yeah. And if the answer is the customer is an advertiser and the product is you, then that doesn't that doesn't work. And uh, you know, I, and I firmly believe that you can be successful in the other in the other direction by saying let's build something that people love because there's got to be a there's got to be a good business in having a product people love. Yeah, and a few companies have done that. Uh, Apple certainly, TiVo, I think, is is in there, although I, I don't know how they're doing today. But at one time, it was this kind of technology where you'd want to tell people about and say, this is amazing, you must own this. Uh, and unfortunately, there aren't a lot of other businesses out there that do that. Yeah, it comes back to why aren't there more Apples? I mean, that's the thing. I'm more hopeful than if it, Steve Jobs had died like three or four years ago, I would have, I would have been, I think more despairing than I am now. I feel like in the last two years, the business world, the investment world has looked at Apple mm -hmm. and said, Oh my God, they have $70 billion in cash and they're the second highest valued company in the world. We need to pay attention to them in a way that maybe they didn't before they wrote them off. And so, mm -hmm. so that's where my optimism comes from is, is maybe with now, um, that that attitude and and the kind of epitaph that the business world writes for Steve Jobs is going to be, you know, that guy was a successful businessman. He built a great company. Be like him, you know. Do study them. Do what they did. And man, if even five percent of the companies, two percent of the companies out there, change their thinking because of Apple's success, you know. It will be a better world because at the bottom line, the reason that I think all of us are so passionate about this stuff is we want there to be good stuff. We want the products right. to be better. You want to, you know, we want technology to advance in a way that actually helps us and improves people's lives. And and it, it should be able to do that. It has such potential. And it's really quite a shame at how unrealized so much of the technology industry's potential is. So, you know, boy, I hope, I hope that, that, um, Somebody's out there saying, do that. Be like them. They they got it. They figured it out. Well, yeah, his timing couldn't have been much better to to go out on top. On top. I, I mean, really, I mean, he just, Apple is just crushing 
well, I, everything out there. Somebody sent a tweet yesterday that I that I really liked that basically said Steve Jobs won. And yeah. I wrote a thing on, on Macworld.com um, called, you know, Making Dents in the Universe, which is a, a famous thing that he said about, you know, we're here to make dents in the universe. And that was, uh, at the end, I was kind of struggling with how to phrase it, but it was really, if we had written Steve Jobs' epitaph 10 years ago, it would have been incredibly influential guy, but the company that he was influential with never really benefited from it. Other people mm -hmm. did. And right. now, in 2011, that story is completely different. And the story now is, and it's shocking for some of us old-time Mac users to even think this, but the story is, he was right. The world learned that he was right. And he won. He, you know, his... Yeah vision and belief was right and he he leaves this this world with apple as in many ways the most successful company of this new century it's amazing and kind of yeah. mind-blowing that that is the case but it's the case it really is what happened yeah so are you surprised at, at the kind of personal reactions you've heard from a lot i mean i know my twitter stream was just full of stuff oh, yeah. and I've, I've seen a lot of testimonials all over the web from every area area of the web. It isn't just people that are interested in technology. You know, there are a lot of cynical people who say, um, the, you know, why are you mourning somebody who you didn't know? And there's, you know, there was a Gawker piece about this that I really, it was, a, it was, I understand the point and yet I, I felt like it was really inappropriate and the person who wrote it was being a jerk, but um, mm -hmm. big surprise. So, <laughs> yeah. But, right. Oh, but, it's Gawker. Really? Know, there is some truth to it in the sense. Yes. You didn't actually know this person. And it's important to say, you know, the people who we really should feel for are his family, his friends, his, the people who work with him closely because they knew him as a human being right. and a human being died and it is, and he died too young. But at the same time, you know, we're humans are social animals. And I, I feel like in this, mass society that we live in now where we're so interconnected i think there's some scientific basis for saying that somebody said that you know people can't really understand communities longer than a or bigger than a hundred or two hundred that some basic mm -hmm. kind of early human hunter gatherer kind of community size and i feel like you know our modern society totally short circuits our our brain's way of viewing people we know like when I'm at Comic-Con and I see a famous person walk by, I have that moment where I like, I want to wave to them right? because I, I, Hey, there's somebody I know. And then my other part of my brain, that's not back in the hunter gatherer day says, no, 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 you don't actually know them. They're on TV. <laughs> They're your, right. TV, you know, of your them. TV friend. So, but I do. So I do think at some level we are wired to take some of these people and consider them part of our social circle, even though they're not really, and so whether it's a musician who dies and you love their work or an actor who dies and they were in movies that you loved or somebody like Steve Jobs, who you love to see him on stage and you love and you love and use every day the the products that he and his company created. So even though we don't we don't know him, really, we know his work and his presentations and and these products that he's created people have emotional attachments to them too because they've changed their lives and their kids use them to 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 play games or learn math or you know and they 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 run while they're listening to their iPods and things like that and it has an effect on your life and i think 
as illogical as it is on one level, on another level, I understand it because it is about somebody who, even though we didn't know know him, he had an impact on our lives. And um, our brains translate that into that kind of social interaction that we're that that would be more common and we think this person was an important person in my world and they they've died and i'm sad about it so you know it's weird celebrity death in general is a weird thing um but i think i, I don't know what you think i mean i think i think it's understandable because if somebody brings kind of joy into your life even you don't need to have known them personally to feel a loss that they're gone Right. Uh, I'm thinking back to when John Lennon died, which is sort of the last time I can think of this huge outpouring, or maybe some people felt that way about Princess Diana, um, where a celeb dies who's done great work, and there's this enormous outpouring of, of grief and affection. And I think part of it, at least for me, is that these people embody some of the brilliance that that humans can offer. And, you know, I know personally, maybe Steve was a was a rough guy and an odd guy and, and maybe not somebody you'd want to get in an argument with. But the the kind of work he produced was brilliant. Uh, you know, the kind of work you don't see often and uh, and is, you know, up among the greats. And to have lived during that time, to watch it unfold is just fun. Um to be able to use it and experience that and see the depth of the vision that goes through the work is, is a real honor. And I think to see that disappear from the world is, is rough because you then turn and say, well, what's next? Who's, who's next? Or is this it for a while? Are, are we going to see this like again? And, um, and I hope we do, as, as you were saying earlier, that I try to be positive as well and think, well, maybe somebody's going to learn this lesson. I hope a lot of people learn this lesson of, of what can be done um, with that kind of brilliance. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if we're living in the same kind of world where people will take those sort of chances and we can, we can see another Apple-like thing or, or an Apple-like attitude where people strive to, to produce wonderful things simply because it's the right thing to do. And maybe it makes business sense too. I like what you said there about um, viewing this as being a sign of what people can accomplish. I mean, because at the end of the day, Steve Jobs is not a, a uh, an agglomeration of a hundred brains attached together. Or something. It's a guy. It's he's a guy yeah. who who has to you know eat food and go to the bathroom and and has has a wife and kids and a commute and. You know, he's got a lot of money and a nice office and all of those things, but he he was just a guy. He was just a man. And um, I find, I do find that inspirational, and I do think that that has something to do with it. I When I um, I wrote a thing on our website and in the magazine, when I went to the space shuttle launch in July, um, previously in February, it's been an interesting year. In February, I was in Barcelona for the cell phone conference and, and um, afterward. I spent a few days in the city with my wife and we saw this um, crazy and beautiful building, the church of the, or the cathedral of the Sagrada Familia Basilica, the Mm -hmm. Sagrada Familia, the, the, the Holy family. Um, It's a Catholic Basilica and it was uh, Anthony Gaudi 
and it's, it's it looks like a spaceship crashed in the middle of Barcelona. Yeah. It's it's outlandish on the outside, and it is breathtakingly beautiful on the inside. And it's been being built for a hundred years, and he he sketched the, the you know the plans. He sketched the plans knowing it wouldn't be built for a hundred years and knowing that he would never see it even partially completed. And I was thinking about, I was struck about that kind of vision of a one man, but um, seeing beyond himself. And I was thinking about that when I was watching the space shuttle launch, because I had that moment where I thought people did this, a collection of individual yeah. human beings made this crazy machine that has this incredible power and will fly into space with um, with uh, four people riding on board. Um, and that something you said there struck me that it, I think it's that same kind of feeling that for me, um, when I think about Steve Jobs, one of the great things, one of the things that makes me smile is that um, he was just a person like the rest of us. He He may have been an amazing person, not like the rest of us in that way, but in the end, we're all just mortal, obviously, human beings and yet we are capable of such greatness and maybe most of us will never achieve that but to see somebody do it is special and to see that story end is absolutely um it's sad because it happens to all of us but it is there's that selfish aspect right of like god you know what would he have done that would have created great things for me in my life that i'll never see right. now so, and I, I feel bad on one level because it's like, you know what, if he had never been involved in another product, but had been able to spend 15 more years with his wife and his kids, that would have good deal. That's a trade I would take. But there is that yeah, other yeah. part that's just like, you know, the world is a poorer place with him not in it. Well, I do think, you know, as regrettable it was as it was for him having that eight years. Oh, yeah. I think we got to see that really was. What would he have done? I think he showed us what he would have done. Yeah, the, that, that eight years it, is so huge. The the you know the iPhone, the iPad, the advancement yeah. of the iPod, all of the the changes in the Mac, and um and then on the personal level, I was thinking about this this morning. The um his kids, which I I didn't really ever. He was very private about his family, but but there was a story that said that his kids are I think twenty sixteen and thirteen. His kids with his current mm -hmm. wife, his 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 widow now. Um, right. And I think, I, you know, you subtract eight and you think, boy, so lucky, so fortunate that he got those eight years with them because they were really little. And he got to see his son yeah. graduate from high school and he got to see the little kids grow up a lot more. So, um, you know, I, all of us benefited from those eight years that he survived when uh, after he got that initial uh, directive to get his affairs in order. Well, I do think that at that point, he sped up the clock a lot oh, yeah. and, and drove not? everybody hard. Yeah. And say, <laughs> we're in a hurry now. Yeah. You know, we haven't got all the time in the world. We are going to do amazing things. And I'm going to be the guy here cracking the whip because this is important to me. And this is important that we do something amazing. And I, and I think he did it. I think he got there. And, um, and I'm, I'm very pleased for him personally. And I and I have to think that the people at Apple are incredibly proud of what he accomplished, and that they got to be part of that. As difficult as it was, um, I, I mean, what what more shining legacy could a man have than what he's accomplished just in these last eight years? Right, right. And I mean, obviously, this is the time where you talk about 
you know, the, the person who's just passed away and, and, you know, you don't, (laughs) well, people on the internet do, but you don't, you don't sit there and say, well, you know, he also made a lot of missteps. Well, sure. I don't want it to come across like Apple, Apple is perfect. And then Apple and Steve Mm -hmm. Jobs didn't have flaws and they didn't make wrong steps. They made very few wrong steps in the last 10 years, which is kind of amazing, but they made some, but, um, you know, what a batting average, right? I mean, that's really, that's it. It's even Ted Williams, when he hit 400, he got out 60% of the time, but it was still an incredible right. batting average. And that's that's Apple over the last decade. It's it's uh, and, and those eight years since uh, he got his diagnosis, they've been, you know, they've been hitting them at a, at a record pace. And uh, it's been quite a thing to watch. And, you know, I can only hope that um, in the eight years warning, really, they've got about, uh, Steve's health that Apple seems to have done everything it could possibly do to prepare and to try mm-hmm. and write down the lessons of building these products and the process and try to codify it so that even though Steve has died, his philosophy and the corporate culture he built at Apple um, can go on because um, that would be a great legacy for him, even if nobody else learns the lessons of Steve Jobs, if Apple keeps being Apple, then um, then that will be that will be a good enough legacy, I think. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens with Apple. I, th- I think you're right that he certainly taught them a lot. They've they've clearly got a whiteboard somewhere that says this is how we work and this is what we <laughs> do. And uh, enough people have been around him who stayed who who must firmly believe in in what Apple does. Otherwise, they wouldn't have stayed. You, you wouldn't put up with a cantankerous character like Jobs for that long if you didn't. So I do wonder about what will happen with Apple, but I'm reasonably confident, at least for the next several years, that we will continue to see products that are built for people in mind and, and not so much with Apple's bottom line in mind. Right, right. I, I think so. I, I even... Even when Apple fell apart the last time, it took them more than a decade to do it, and that was a company in a much weaker position than Apple is now. So I, I, I'm pretty confident about the next ten years of Apple. I just hopeful, you know, I'm hopeful that they can keep it going beyond that, and that people step up who have skills that can make those future products as great as the, the current ones, even if it takes a bunch of different people to do it instead of one Steve Jobs. Right. Well, I'm honestly not sure what else to say about a remarkable man like Steve Jobs. We'll certainly hear more about it in the coming days and weeks. I think his uh, biography is coming out. This month, they moved it up. This yeah. month, yeah. That, and that's that's as, as close to an official document of Steve Jobs as you will ever get, because he obviously, he actually participated and did lots of interviews with Walter Isaacson. So that's going to be, that's going to be the last word, really. That That book will be the last testament of um, of Steve Jobs' life in many ways. And it'll be fascinating to have uh, a look inside the man who was very private and with the exception of that Stanford uh, address has really not shared for decades since getting burned by some uh, reporters early on in his career. So I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I pre-ordered my copy. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that we had to do this podcast. Me too. But um, I'm grateful that we got to do what we do now and uh, and live in a world with Steve Jobs in it. Yes. So um, uh, rest in peace, Steve. Indeed. Indeed. Um, 
yes, the world is better for him being in it, and so are we. 